Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are definitely not basic, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird? Jonah, I like that you said we're definitely not basic. Well, I'm kind of running out of adjectives to put in this intro, so I actually went on a website of millennial slang terms, <laughs> but I think they're pretty much all outdated by the time they're on like a website like that. Yeah, I so. thought basic was sort of an older one, but yeah, anyways. I know. I, I, you know, I'm doing my best. A lot of them I didn't know what they meant, also, and so I, I don't know. I wanted to. Right. I know. I thought. You were maybe going to say we were straight fire. Yeah, I'm saving that one for a future one, I think. Okay. I like not basic more because I know it more. Yeah, yeah. Same here. That's why I subbed it in. So just a little, yeah. Okay, cool. Punched it up a little. So uh, Vanessa, today we have a very exciting guest. And it's kind of related to an internship that I did yes. when I was in college. And so I thought really up top, we could just talk really quick about internships. What You've done some internships oh, in your life. Oh, Jonah, if you would have seen me while I was in college doing internships, and then when I graduated from college, you would have gone, oh my God, like this person's a major in communications and they've interned at all these places. I guess they're qualified to do nothing, but they've got a lot of experience. Yes, when I was in college, the summer before my junior year, I interned at Oxygen, the Oxygen Network, which was sort of like an Oprah-run thing, I think. And it still exists, but it used to do original programming. And maybe now it does too, I'm not sure. And then I also, I'm hiding, I should have led with this, I also interned at Sesame Street. Right. Because I was really into children's media. Nice. And they weren't in production over the summer, but I did get to go to Sesame Street one day, and it was very emotional. And then the next summer, the summer before my junior year, I interned at Nickelodeon, again, continuing that theme of loving children's media, and also Conan. You might have heard of it. <laughs> yeah. So those are very impressive. Impressive? Those are very impressive. Yeah, Jonah, impressive. <laughs> and honestly, part of the reason that I moved to Chicago after college was because so many of the writers at Conan started doing comedy in Chicago. 
So that was a very influential. I mean, they were all very influential. So yeah, I love doing those internships. And I do think they helped me get jobs later on, but it's all in the pudding, as they say. <laughs> now, Jonah, what about you? I'd like to talk to you about some of your... You, now, you had a real recent internship and then another internship <laughs> that has a lot to do with our guest uh, topic. Yeah, so today. I actually had an internship last year, Yeah, and I'm 43 years old. But it's getting I, a little old for, in, for being well, an intern. It was part of a, a master's program. Yeah, so I know. So I, know. Was just, I was just joking around. Yeah, so I did a... I, when I was getting my master's degree in clinical mental health counseling, I had to do two semesters of an internship and a practicum. That's just part of the curriculum. So okay, I, I did practicum. that. But when I was younger, about 20 years ago, when I was an undergrad, I did an internship at Alternative Press magazine where I later became music editor. Woo. And then I did a semester of school in LA where I was an intern at Raygun magazine when it was relaunching. And it was a very interesting internship. Maybe we'll get into it sometime. And then I also interned at The Real World, yes. New Orleans, season nine in the music department with Dave Stone was my boss. I, last time I was in LA, I got lunch with him and a uh, great guy, but I interned at The Real World. And so, yeah. That's kind of going to be our theme for this episode. And so I think we should just get into the guest. So Vanessa, yes. do you want to do an intro? Yes, I would love to. Our guest today is a stand-up comedian and writer who is the creator of the critically acclaimed 2017 documentary, The Problem with the Pooh. His comedy special on YouTube, Vacation Baby, and his companion album, Extended Vacation Baby, on Bandcamp just came out. Let's give it up for Hari Kondabolu. Yay! Yay! Yay. We did it. We did it. Hari, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. It's nice to meet you both. Thank you. It's great to meet you as well. How's your day going? It's good. It's been a, an interesting day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been an interesting day. I'd like to give you details, but I can't right now. But it's been an interesting day. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Have you done any internships? Maybe recently, in the past, <laughs> any point in your life? Yeah, mere years ago, like Jonah. Or <laughs> I'm 40 years old. I have not done one recently. But I wish I could. There's a whole bunch of fields I'd love to explore since I wasted my life on this one. <laughs> when I was 20, no, 19, I interned at the Queens District Attorney's Bureau of Hate Crimes and Youth Gangs, which always seemed weird that they combined the hate crimes and the gang division, considering <laughs> how different they are. But uh, and minorities getting stabbed. Either way. And the next year, I interned at the office of Senator Hillary Clinton in Washington, D.C. Oh, wow. wow. Okay, so a little different than our internships. That's really, what were those <laughs> like? Like, was that intense? <laughs> was it boring? Was it exciting? What was it like? Definitely the Queens DA's office one was intense. And yeah. it was like shortly after 9-11. So it was like really wow. sad. And I'm from Queens. So it was also like, oh, not here. Really? Here? That was sad and maybe not good podcast fodder. <laughs> and then the next year, <laughs> I was at Hillary Clinton's office, which initially I was like super excited about. But then I found out like it, there were like 50 interns because it wasn't just New Yorkers. Everybody wanted to be your intern and everybody had a connection. And so I was wow. in the mail room for the two months. And uh, this was around the time of the anthrax scares, if you remember. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. It was terrible. And I read her mail, and uh, it was not, not people wrote lots of mean things. There was a lot of Billary Clinton. That was popular at the time. <laughs> Dear Billary Clinton. And that was like a big insult. And then there'd be a bunch of like mean spirited, well, I guess it's all mean spirited. There'd be a lot of homophobic and sexist stuff, and a lot more puns, lots of puns. And uh, yeah, my job was to read those things. 
and to immediately destroy them so she would never see them. <laughs> I'm sorry to be asking this ignorant question in the moment, but if that was like around early 2000s, what was Hillary up to in that moment? She was a senator, so you mean like what she was Right, what, she was a senator. Was she, she was a senator. Yeah, this was her D.C. office, her this D.C. Senate her DC office. her D.C. office, okay. And she's getting lots of hate mail, got it, anthrax. Okay, so different from, for example, me interning at Oxygen. <laughs> Yes, network. <laughs> uh, Probably very were you different. in the mailroom? No, I was in the room that had all the free snacks. And uh... <laughs> I mean, as an internship, like as a learning experience, it 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 really disappointed. As a story to tell, it's it's also kind of disappointing. Is really nothing <laughs> happened? Like I, we were referred to as Clinterns, which I hated so much. Clinterns. <laughs> That's. Also, the billery thing, like, doesn't seem that fun. I feel like no, no. Gen Z and, and millennials are much funnier. Like, they can come yes. up with... Yes. More clever and more hateful things. Yes. Sure, sure. Yes. Yeah. I forgot that she was a senator for a moment and just thought... Yeah, we kind of noticed that because you seem very confused <laughs> yeah, by the like, timeline. What is she doing then? Because I know then she became... Like, I remember okay. that her, like, right hand was uh, Huma Abedin... There was all these rumors like, oh, Anthony Weiner wants to date her. He has such a crush on her. And that really uh, turned out differently than everyone expected. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was, oh, the softball team was known Ooh. as Hills Angels. Okay. Well, so you're right. They're really leaning into these puns. Everyone seems yeah, to be. Yeah, everybody was in, it really, the whole experience was disgusting. <laughs> and none of them are that, again, I know I already said this, but I'm not trying to, whatever, but... The person who forgot she was a senator, not trying to judge these people, but <laughs> none of the names seem that clever. Like, none of them are really, to quote the Gen Z today, none of them are really slapping. Is that what okay. they say now? They say slapping? Did I pick that up? <laughs> Is that real? I think they say something slaps. What does that mean, something slaps? Like, what does that I, mean? <laughs> like a bass? I, th <laughs> <laughs> I think it means it rocks. But when you say something rocks, it's referring to rock and roll. What's slapping? Is it like slapping a guitar? You don't slap a guitar. I'm just going to make flea or something or slap a bass. Yeah, it's like a... It's yeah. like slap... Well, Jonah, bass is a kind of guitar, no offense. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone who plays both of them, I'm pretty sure not a lot of people play slap guitar, Vanessa. I love it. You love each other, but you hate each other. Well, We're getting you know, in more he, fights today than normal. <laughs> yeah, what's your relationship like with your brother? Do you have, have a kind of a similar dynamic or what's, you know, we we're talking about <laughs> yeah, before the podcast, <laughs> me and Vanessa, you know. We're very close, have a core that is similar, but extremely different human beings. Okay. My brother, he was in a rap group called Das Racist maybe a decade yes, ago. of course. He was the hype man in that group, and he toured the world, and that is not something I would ever do. <laughs> and um, I feel like I have moderate talent that I try to max out on at all times, and my brother is just brilliant, just incredibly smart and funny and... An incredible writer. He's like he dabbles in modern art and has had exhibits at the Guggenheim and the Whitney, like just just wow. dabbling. Like he's he's brilliant, but like I'm like the consistently put out stuff and <laughs> you know, to treat this like a job type. Yeah. I bet the way you feel about him, he feels about you. He's proud of me, he loves me, but I think he would admit that my weak he's very honest about my weaknesses. <laughs> 
he's, <laughs> he's very like, yeah, you're very uptight. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, he's very not uptight. My brother is very, in any situation, he's comfortable. Like he's really close with his landlord who's about like 40 years older than he is. And they go out and have uh, dinner or go to the track. Like it's just ridiculous. Stuff. Like my brother's just friends with everybody, and I, I, I uh, he likes to go out of the house, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about your parents? Because our parents, Jonah and I, similarly were like both in kind of creative fields, and neither of our parents mm. do are in creative fields. Were your parents in creative fields? No, no. My mother yeah. was a doctor back in India and worked in a hospital wow. in this country. Managed a cath lab. My father managed a echocardiogram lab. My mother, however, did do classical South Indian dancing uh, as a younger person would tour different like states in wow. India dancing, which she doesn't talk about very much, but like I think it's like, well, you were you were actually a touring performer and you never talk about this. Yeah. Wow. Maybe, maybe to avoid encouraging it. But <laughs> she was, you know, she had some of that. And she's also really quick and clever and was always kind of like like people wanted to hang out with her. Even my friends would like hanging out with her because she was funny. But they didn't. They you know, they weren't performers and they never had that urge and didn't really understand our urge to like yeah. do stuff and create stuff. Honestly, me and my brother watched so much TV together. Like that's yeah. like the primary thing we did. I really think that's a big part of it. Like we imagined together. We would talk about the things we watched together. Like. Everything was was around like the creative stuff we were thinking about and and watching. So I'm kind of not surprised, like yeah. growing up. But yeah, that's a really good observation, Jonah. I wonder if that's why we went into creative fields. We, we did a watch a lot of TV, of TV and I was like listening. To, I was like really into playing guitar and music. But what are you like? What kind of shows were you two into? Kind of when you were growing up? Yeah, I mean, we love Nickelodeon. Yeah, like Nickel. Yeah. Because this was prime Nickelodeon. This is like. Adventures of Pete and Pete. Yeah, this was like uh, Salute Your Shorts. Clarissa explains it all. Uh, hey, dude, which I never loved, but whatever. Doug, like great animation. Ren and Stimpy, like it, Nickelodeon was interesting. Like they had this yeah. whole angle about like it's kids versus adults, and adults are destroying yeah. the world, and the kids have to do so. There was also kind of this mission, and it was like thinking about it now. I'm still like that was an incredible network like they did really really cool things and it wasn't just kind of like what disney channel nickelodeon are now which is like you create shows for young people and then you put them in your films and then and they go off to right. better careers and it's just kind of you know it didn't feel like that with those shows they always felt those shows always felt a little weird and like pete and pete is so weird right it's such a weird show and what's cool about it is i feel like especially during that era like pre-internet sort of you would just turn it on if one of those shows was on you were like so psyched yes right <laughs> the best yeah especially salute your shorts my brother and i were obsessed with salute your shorts and we never went camping so that's like that was like camping to us like that was our camp experience is episodes of that show yeah, that was a, but also a really weird show. All of those shows were sort of like I did like Hey Dude, but I would take I wouldn't include Hey Dude in this in what I'm about to say is that they were kind of unexpected and they were they didn't have like a formula. Like no. they were just really odd choices all around. Clarissa too. It was like those shows like were so kind of alt in a way, right? They felt very alternative or something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The younger Pete has a tattoo on his arm. And then right. Like, 
of, of a lady, right? That he's always like yes. playing with. I mean, it, that's not a thing you'd ever see in a kid's show now. And it was just bizarre. Yeah. What's so weird about that show, too, is wasn't Iggy Pop a character on it, like a recurring character? Yes. Michael Stipe was, too. Michael Stipe. And then with... Really? I feel like there was a Clarissa episode where she was like trying to go to a Nirvana concert or something. Uh, this might be too... <laughs> this is, <laughs> I read an article where they the person who created it was like wanted to cast her because they asked what kind of music she liked. And Melissa Joan Hart was like, I like They Might Be Giants and stuff. And whereas the other teen girls auditioning... I don't know. They liked Britney Spears or something. It was it was like her answers and her whole vibe was very much more like alternative than the other people auditioning. Yeah. Well, yeah. I found this actually. 1993, Clarissa explains it all. Sam scores two tickets to a Pearl Jam concert. Clarissa wants to attend the concert, but also feels obligated to DJ her grandparents' anniversary party. So that's a tough situation for Clarissa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but also what a cool position to be in, you know, to have both of those options. That's such a bizarre plot for a TV show. I know. Right? Her and Sam were best friends, and there was never a romantic thing between them. They were just like right. best friends of different genders, yep. which I'd never seen before. And yeah. Sam always had a cool flannel tied around his waist, That's right? That's right. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I don't remember a lot of romance on Salute Your Shorts either. Maybe on Hey Dude a little bit. But yeah, the shows definitely weren't really pushing that, which I feel like now every show is kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I agree. They They weren't as concerned with that. And... You didn't really miss it. Like, you just, those shows were so good. What about, do you remember Welcome Freshman? Welcome Freshman. Welcome it's such a, Jonah, you used to watch it so much. It's I don't, like, I actually, it doesn't sound familiar. Okay, what was this it? was the premise of it. You're going to vaguely remember it, Jonah. At least you, are. you might too. Welcome Freshman, they're all in high school, and they would every so often get spoken to by this person who had come from like a different century and I'm not doing a good job of explaining it but we yeah. used to watch it all the time. Okay, because I do remember the locker jokes on You Can't Do That on television. That's what I was open. thinking when you when yeah. you said it. But. <sighs> this is different. It was on at the same time around when Salute Your Shorts and stuff. I don't think it was as popular as those shows but oh, It definitely wasn't as popular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised neither of you remembers it. No, I not at all. It's almost a premise that it feels like I'm making up. The show took place no, at No, I Hawthorne. looked it up. It's yeah. legit. It, it existed. Another very strange premise. Strange where this guy, premise. The freshman-hating principal imagines himself as a stand-up comedian telling bad jokes that insult freshmen. Mr. Lippman sounds familiar. Yeah, that does sound familiar. I wonder if it was the principal who I'm thinking of, who's the person from the other generation. We'll look into it. I'm sure I'll stay up till like five in the morning. <laughs> Did either of you ever get into Ghost Rider? Do you remember Ghost Rider? Yeah! I remember it. I think it was a. Ghost I was a little Rider. too old for Word. that, but but I think yes, that was a good one. Me and my brother obsessively watched that every Sunday in PBS. Did you have a notebook that you would write down the clues with? Remember how they'd say like, "Get your notebook out and take." <laughs> no, but please tell me where this is going because I love this. They very would much. say like, "Write down the clues throughout the episode." Although I always thought that that show was sort of depressing because it would be like. A bunch of kids, and then it's like the mystery they were solving with the help of Ghostwriter was always like the place where they hung out always got like broken into and stuff. And that was the, yeah, yeah. right? That was like the crime, and then they had to solve who did it. And then Ghostwriter would like make letters appear, right? They would give them clues. But you had to have, if you had your notebook out too, it was sort of like you can participate in this if you 
have a notebook out. But I remember taking a notebook out and kind of being like, what am I supposed to write down? <laughs> I mean, the premise is absurd. Like, you're telling me it's a dead guy that's a detective that's obsessed yeah. with word puzzles. Like, he could just, like, solve the mystery or give them very clear clues. But no, I'm obsessed with word puzzles. Very strange. Also, I go, where are the police? Why are these kids solving all these crimes? <laughs> Really good point, Vanessa. <laughs> okay, well, with <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. All right. And we're back. So Hari, you know, you gave us so many great suggestions for topics. And the one we decided to talk about, which we haven't talked about yet, is the real world, yeah. which is, you know, obviously widely credited for kind of kicking off reality television for better or worse. And I'm wondering sort of, was this a show you watched a lot when it came out? Did you come into it later? What What's kind of your personal relationship? I watched it when it came out. You know, okay. I, I remember the New York season and the L.A. season and certain plot lines. But it was, I think the third season was San Francisco, I think. Yes. And that was the season, like, I was obsessed with. 
It was just okay. I mean, and mainly because like of Pedro. Yes, like Pedro Zamora was such an incredible character. I mean, human being. And I remember like growing up, even growing up in New York City in Queens. Like, I really didn't have any gay friends. I didn't know any gay people. And I didn't know anybody who was HIV positive. And the fact that, like, I was, like, we were watching this man and, and hearing his story. Like, it was like, this is the first person I know that is gay and has HIV. And, and it's silly. It seems silly. But I was a kid, you know. I was, oh, like, 10 or 11. And I remember how much it affected me that this person is sick. And he's a character, but he's not a character. This is a real right. human being that is sick and is dying and you know there was a lot of other plots in that show but really to me that's the one that always like hit hard like wow like even every now and then i'll still like watch some pieces of the old episodes yeah just to kind of try to remember how it felt when i saw it when i was a kid because like there's something about that like being introduced to humanity or a, a segment of humanity through media because you had no other exposure that totally. I thought was like incredible. Still think is incredible. Yeah. Also, that's the season with Puck. Oh, well aware. And Jonah, I think, has a story about that. But it's pretty crazy how it almost feels like you'd have to watch a documentary now yes. to get that kind of view because now reality TV feels so produced. But I remember that too. And you know what I remember also is, do you remember there was like a reunion where Judd absolutely lost it at, at yes, Puck? Because I did see that. Yes. He was like, he was like, you never cared about him. It was like after Pedro had died, he was like, I still remember being like so shocked by Judd's reaction because Judd had been so sort of even keeled throughout the whole show series. Yeah. Like, you know, and and so I still remember it, and I was like, oh, my God. I It was a very intense season. And remember, Rachel kind of dating Puck, but she was conservative or something. And then yeah. we love Pam. We love Judd. I can't remember who. Oh, wasn't there a woman? Was there a woman on that show who was like, or is this a different season, who was like, there's nothing interesting about me. I'm just a white lady. Is that Corey? Maybe. Yes, I think that Maybe. was how, But it was really intense season. And I agree with you. I think it's so incredible that they showed all of the footage with Pedro and, you know, him getting, I remember him getting like his T-cells yeah. checked and all that stuff and being like, wow, it was really eye-opening. It's hard for people who didn't grow up with reality TV that looked like that to understand that like, it yeah. was really like the first three seasons of that show, like there was still stuff that was kind of like, we're going to a bar and we're going to get, yeah. Yeah, you know, like we're 20-somethings, we're being sexy. There's There was always some of that, but like there was real conversations about race or about gender yes. or like the, obviously the Pedro season. Like they actually tackled these things with a great deal of, you know, I'm not even care sometimes. I think it was just honest. Like they actually yeah. talked like a people talk and they they it wasn't the era where every mistake or everything you do would get repeated a million times over in media it was like people making honest mistakes or being awful and you were seeing them at their worst or you saw people like change over the course of a, a period of time and it didn't feel completely edited and created there felt like there was some honesty in it which is like you don't really see very much now right yeah, I agree. I think it felt more kind of authentic because, yeah, those norms weren't in place yet. There weren't any right. rules. When I interned there, I interned on the New Orleans season. It was about six years later. And we had to, they did away with this policy at some point during my internship, but 
we had to work the front desk of Buna Murray Productions as interns. We would have to buzz people in. There was some part where like the receptionist was gone. I don't know exactly. I don't remember, but I remember them saying to us, Puck might come by the building. <laughs> want to talk to like the owners and like he thinks he made them famous and he's he wants money or something like they're they're basically like don't let him i don't remember exactly what they said but they're like don't let him in the building don't buzz him in if he shows up and so you know i'm like a 20 year old kid on my internship <laughs> sitting there being like oh my god i hope puck doesn't show up here i don't want i don't like what if i let him in by accident like am i gonna get fired it was kind of nerve-wracking and i think at one point you know they were they screwing with you? Looking back, it seems like maybe they were, but I will say this was a pretty pretty loose internship, so I could see I could see that <laughs> sort real. of happen. I mean, I, I, my recollection is that we did at some point have to work this desk, so it seems like it it seems within the realm of possibility that he would show up. This is only six years after the show. So you're saying the policy that got rid of was having interns work at reception, yeah, not, not yeah. keeping Puck away. That was still the policy. Yeah, I think that 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 <laughs> is probably still that's probably still. But yeah, and they also after I worked there had a policy where you remember you had to make a video audition to be in the real world. That was like the big thing was then after I was there, I remember they were like, interns have to make an audition tape to get an internship. Oh, come on. Oh, And I remember us like watching intern submission (laughs) tapes and them being like so embarrassing. (laughs) And me being like, I'm so, I would, I just wouldn't work here if I had to do this. I just like could not do this. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the real world came to my college for auditions and in some areas, especially like career related, I sometimes have such blind confidence that it's almost like I'm on my own planet, <laughs> if that makes sense. Really only in my career, but it, but and sometimes it I think is helpful and other times I'm on my own planet. But anyways, the point is, they came to my college and I remember they were auditioning people like you could go audition with them. And this is truly my thought process. I was like, because when I was in high school, I had leukemia. I'm totally fine now, but that's like a thing, you know. So anyways, I was like, because I had leukemia in high school, they're definitely going to want to cast me because they're going to want, it's going to be such a whole thing. And they're going to want like me to sure, like talk sure. about when I was in the hospital and stuff. And they're going to be like, so I was like, in my mind, I was like, do I audition and get on or do I not audition and not have to do it? And that was the choice of my head. Like, I truly was like, there's just no way, given my medical history, they're not going to want to cast me. Right. In right. retrospect, it's like, in what world oh would they be God. like, uh, Vanessa, talk more about when you were sick on this show where we want people like going out to bars and hooking up. Like, But they did have, they had cast members that were sick, right? Like, yeah, wasn't there... Yeah. There's a few. Yeah, I that think it had, had to be a little more current, though, right? They had to be like sick at the time. Yeah, Maybe. yeah. I think the, the, they were the characters that were they were sick at the time. Yeah, they didn't want someone going around being like. You kind of missed your opportunity, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't that funny that I still remember being like, yes. oh, "Do I want to do the show or not?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is so funny. That is so funny. I mean, I think where they kind of, where like the current reality kicked in was like in the, I, I'm not as up to date on the later seasons, especially yeah. after I worked there. I worked in the music department, so we were kind of licensing the music that went in the background. But at a certain point, then everyone kind of had to have these like fake jobs, right? They'd be like, you all work at a radio station. Oh, yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. That came later, right? Yeah, yeah. But that I think is when they put all these activities in and stuff. Do you remember this? Like they would have these kind of fake was that jobs. the Seattle year? The the radio station thing? Was that the year? I that think was- so. And then I think one was like a TV show, but I felt like they were like, we need you to do... If 
I was on the show, I'd be like, I don't want to come here and work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I remember the Seattle one because I moved to Seattle like years later and am still obsessed with that city. But I have a feeling a lot of that is because watching the real world Seattle planted a seed that I wanted to go to Seattle. Yeah. Because like that, I remember that season was also like really intense and there was that slap that was in it. Oh, right. 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 Steven slapped. Irene, and that was like a big story, and I just, yeah. And was Seattle, or was was that when the guy was in the band and his, he got his tongue bit off, or was that a different? Huh. For some reason, I feel like that man's name was Dominic. Is that true? I Is, think so. And was that and was London? He, Do I know this? I feel bad I know this. That might have been London. I'm impressed. Personally. I am, I am, I am not impressed. But I just at remember all. <laughs> it was so messed up. This guy, can you imagine he's on stage singing and he has his tongue stuck out and someone bit it off? Oh, jeez. It seems that seems like it would be scripted, but that was real, I think. I mean, I guess. I remember being backstage at a show we were playing or I was at a venue and they're in Cleveland, I think, maybe Peabody's down under, and they're being Andre from the Real World Season One's band Rain Dance, them signing the wall with like a big caricature portrait of them. Because then that guy Glenn was in that band Perch. Oh, right. Remember that? Like a lot of these, some of the guys were in these kind of like alternative y bands. He might have been Seattle too, maybe. It was Glenn. No, Glenn wasn't the guy in the band that got his tongue. Was that Dominic? Bit off though, right? I think that must have been Dominic. Dominic London, real world tongue. Tongue? It'd be a shame if I was right. I think you are right. It looks like it's Neil. Oh, thank God. <gasps> Oh, Neil. And where, what city was Neil? But it was in? London. It was London. London. Okay. Okay. When reality TV was real. Did you see that on Never Gonna Be Able to Think of the streaming network? Peacock. I think uh, Paramount, Paramount, the real Paramount. New York reunion. They did like a week with each of the casts from the original seasons. It's called Real World Homecoming. Real World Homecoming. Yeah. And it's a week, but it's. It's only a week that they're there, I think, but I think they do several episodes for each. Huh. And I've watched a little bit of the first season of the Real World's Homecoming reunion episodes, and it's interesting to see where they all are now, especially Eric Knees. Nice. Yeah, he had COVID, right? So he had to... He had COVID, so he couldn't be in the house, and that was a real bummer because you right. really want him and Julie to reunite. And then also, then my friend Jenny and I were watching it and we started looking it up. And he's had like a crazy kind of trajectory where I think at some point he lost all his money or something. And then he came, it was stolen from him or something. And then he came back and now he's like a real health guru, I think. Interesting. I could be getting yeah. that completely They did wrong. a New York season. They did a Los Angeles season. And then they actually did season nine, New Orleans, the one I worked on. I guess that was the last season of The Homecoming. I, I, I saw a couple episodes of the New York one, and then it was like a trial thing. And then they were like, do you want to pay money for more? And I was like, no, I'll just never watch this again. Also, a little piece of trivia. Uh, Eric yes. Nees's uh, father is Jack Nees, an NBA referee. Really? Whoa. I did not know that. That's the thing. <laughs> if you were... Wondering the connection between Eric Knees and the National Basketball Association. It's, well, it's I fun. was. What was the connection <laughs> between the woman who was a model, Jacinda? Jacinda? Jacinda was a model. She was on one of the seasons. And then I remember, you know, sometimes when you see people on reality shows and then oh, you see yeah. them do, doing their real jobs in real life, you're like, what the hell? It's like too many worlds colliding. 
Jacinda was on Real World, and then I remember we would get the J. Crew catalog to our house, and she was one of the models in the J. Crew catalog. And I remember being like, "What the fuck is happening?" <laughs> <laughs> but also being like, "This rocks!" Like she's actually a real model. Whereas, like it, a lot of times, you know, you don't know what people's real jobs are. Like I don't know if you guys, either of you, watches this, but I watched the show Summer House, and it's on Bravo. There's one person who has like a liquor company that you think is legit, I think it it really exists. But then a lot of the cast are entrepreneurs or they're quote unquote like publicists or influencers. And it's the type of job that I think you would need to have to be able to go on a reality show for like several weeks or months or whatever. You know, you couldn't have, you know, a, a job that wouldn't let you go and film or whatever. But my point is just, it was impressive to me that she was a real model and that she was in J. Crew. I was like, and I know so much about her life too. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Well, yeah, let me ask you too. And like, <laughs> like, what do you think? If the real world was on now, it would probably would be so annoying because I felt like they had like interesting jobs, like, right? Like, Judd's a cartoonist. Like, they kind of like, I feel like now right. all these people would sort of just want to be on TV and they would have all these kind of influencery jobs and probably it would just be like hard to watch. All these shows now don't make like, have you seen the show Naked and Afraid? Yes. yes. Like, after that, I don't want to see people in an apartment bickering over stuff. Like, I want to get to it. You're naked and you're afraid and you're making weapons and there's animals and there's tension. Like, that. let's get to it. Let's get to the the rawness of human existence. Why are we? I know. Have you seen have you seen that show alone at all? No. Tell me about that. Oh, my gosh. It's a show where they basically drop you off in like the wilderness in the middle of nowhere and you're allowed to bring like six objects and then whoever lasts the longest wins like a hundred thousand dollars but you have to like find all your own food build a shelter i mean and you've you're recording yourself supposedly you're completely isolated there's like bears it's like it's wild Are, are they wearing clothes yeah, they're wearing clothes. Nah, yeah, they do have interested. clothes. Not interested. Yeah. <laughs> you, lost, you lost me there. Well, it's funny that I guess we've been exposed to so much reality TV that we need people to be dropped alone in the woods and <laughs> fully risking their lives. Whereas at the time that the real world came out, it was enough to just have a camera on real people and yes. just see what their lives are just as sort of a voyeur. Like it was, we required so little. Yeah. Yeah. Vanessa, I'm feeling dizzy because you just brought this totally full circle. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Let's take a break. I want to end there. I'm getting like professional comedians to laugh. So this is like my, okay, my, okay, totally okay. my dream. I was, I was laughing more at Vanessa's silence. I'll be, I'll be honest. Oh, man. I thought it was that my hilarious joke was actually at how my joke totally bombed. Fair enough. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Hari Kondabolu. Hacks is back for season three and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. And we're back. So Hari, now we're going to play a game with you. This game is called Legit Moan or Unnecessary Groan. Legit Moan. Unnecessary Groan. It was inspired by a now defunct column in our local newspaper growing up, the Cleveland Plain Dealer, called Monday Moaning. And we used to read it. And basically, every Monday, the paper would print these extremely petty complaints that the readers would send in. And when we were kids, we found them to be very funny. And we find them to be even funnier today. So we picked three from their archives. These are at least like 10 years old. And we'll read each one. And at the end, we'll decide whether they're a legit moan or an unnecessary groan. Jonah, do you want to read this first one? Yeah. First one is short but sweet (laughs) um, from Cleveland. Why don't stores sell bedspreads anymore? You can find quilts and comforters, but can't find a bedspread anywhere. Hari, what do you think? What do you think about this complaint? Wait. (laughs) Wait, what's a bedspread again? Is- so, okay, this question. was my question too. Well, we did some research on this. According to Vanessa's research, it says <laughs> the key difference between a bedspread and comforter is the level of warmth they provide. Comforters are made to provide insulation and warmth during cold months, while bedspreads are more lightweight and breathable, making them ideal for warmer conditions. And just to say, I also read another article that said the, that that comforters and bedspreads are the same thing. Yeah. So this person's really kind of splitting hairs. Okay, go ahead, Hari. I didn't mean to cut you off. I mean, how? when when was this particular article written? This is probably, I would say, 10 to 11 years ago. Yeah. The internet exists, right? It existed. Yeah. It existed okay. in some form, for sure. And you're still going to these stores... 
to find particular items 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Not only that, but I think you're going to the store and being like, do you have any bedspreads? And I'm being like, well, you have a quilt over here and comforters. Like, no, 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 no. Do you have any bedspreads? <laughs> I said I wanted jam, not jelly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's What I want this person to do is say, where is your comforter section? And then they'll take them to there and then they'll go, okay, this seems light enough. I would classify this as a bedspread. This is what I need as opposed to, you know, I don't know if they're speaking with kind of a younger salesperson who doesn't use. I did a little bit of research on this. Bedspreads are not as common anymore because, you know, when you go to, except in hotels, you know, when you go to a hotel and there's like a light blanket on the bed and you go, give me a comforter and get out of my face. Sure. That's what a bedspread is. And I also am like, what does this person in Cleveland need a bedspread for? It's always like, 10 degrees there, <laughs> but yeah. I guess we have seasons. I guess it's, it's hot in the summer, but it's just, I think this person is perhaps asking the salespeople, do you have bedspreads? And they don't know what a bedspread is. As right. I, all of us had to look it up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. they didn't know what, what constitutes a bedspread specifically. So they said, no, we have comforters and quilts. I'm telling that person, go over that section and you'll find what you consider a bedspread. <laughs> I mean, okay. it just, it's like, I don't I don't understand why this store doesn't have unnecessary bullshit it used to have. It's like, yeah, because it's unnecessary. You don't need it. Yeah. That's but why it's they exactly what you it. said, Hart. It's like saying stores only sell jelly, they don't sell jam anymore. And it's like, open your mind and do some research, you know, take yourself over the section and figure yeah, out. I think before you start writing in anonymous letters to the local newspaper, you can, you know, do some of your own research. Yeah. Yeah, it seems I like a I wanted preserves. I didn't say I wanted preserves. Yes. Yeah. I think we're going with unnecessary groan on this one for me. What do you two think? For me too. Agreed. Unnecessary groan. We're in agreement on that. Vanessa, do you want to read the next one? This one is very funny to me. Okay. I have gone to a number of card shops. 90% of the cards are for family, brother, sister, mother, or father. 10% of the display was general. I don't think that is proper. I am so... <laughs> Sorry. I am so disgusted. I don't think I'm going to send any holiday cards out this year. And that's someone in Olmstead Falls, Ohio. Okay. <laughs> so just to recap, this person is upset that there aren't enough enough cards that are just general cards that aren't oriented towards family. And this is quote unquote not proper. Can I say, I just want to sneak in. I don't, I just want to follow what this person, this person is saying all the cards I'm looking at are brother, sister, mother, or father. Only 10% is for general. This person's clearly going to the individual card section, okay, where they have cards for different specific things. I would encourage this person to go to find some kind of a set of cards, okay? You're never going to see a set of cards that's all to brother, or all to sister. Do you know what I'm That's saying? True. Yeah. So if you're picking out individual cards one by one, that's your problem. You got to go to the sets. All right. What are your thoughts? <laughs> May I suggest perhaps buying index cards or yeah. construction paper and making your own cards because those are completely blank and you can do whatever you yeah. want with them. What they're saying is is absurd. I'm just sending out general cards. I like sending out general cards. Whenever I'm in the mood, I just send out cards to people. <laughs> the truth of the matter is that there are very few people like you. Yeah. There aren't many people who are just randomly se- sending cards out. Yeah. Or mailing things. I'm picturing this person walking into the 
like CVS around like February Valentine's Day around Christmas and just completely being like why are there so many <laughs> Christmas cards why are there so many val-? it's like well these are the cards people normally buy that's why they have them displayed like that my neighbor's child just turned three and a half, and I can't find a card that both has yeah. decimals or fractions and is addressed to a random child. Also, I don't think this person's looking hard enough because they're saying, I'm so disgusted, I don't think I'm going to send any holiday cards out this year. Holiday cards in general are more so than a birthday card or an anniversary card. Holiday cards, I feel, are the least addressed to specific people. You know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't get a... Again, I go back to my original point. You're not going to get a set of holiday cards that says, Happy Holidays, son. (laughs) Right. I think this person might be looking for an excuse not to send out holiday cards, and this is the best they could come up with. And you know what I want to say to that person then? Good for you. Free yourself from that responsibility. If you don't want to send them, don't send them. It's just... (laughs) Also, this person saying they're so disgusted they don't think they're going to send any holiday cards out this year... Think about who you're punishing. Right. You know? So self-sabotage, and it's a classic case of that. And your um, recipients I- suffer. The card shops don't suffer. I mean, a little bit, but they don't need your business. No offense to this person. So unnecessary groan for uh, this one. I'm, ge- I'm just going to guess. Groan. What do you two think? I think That's unnecessary groan same. unless this person lost every member of their family. At which point I would absolutely go okay. the other That's way. right. That's a very compassionate way of looking at this. That's true. That's true. There might be some history to this that causes this person to be upset by that. Or, yeah. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. All right. So our last one, this one's from Parma Heights. There should be a law against commercials from restaurants showing food much larger on TV than when you order it. One establishment a couple months ago showed their overstuffed meatballs with cheese oozing out of the middle of them. And when you get them, the meatballs were half the size and you could barely see the cheese. Now, a fast food restaurant is showing their steak in a flatbed sandwich. When you get it, you'll say, where's the steak? So kind of a stand-up bit there, a little bit. This one feels like it was (laughs) written by our dad. (laughs) It does a little, yeah. I've heard him comment on this type of thing happening before with food. I think this is actually legit. I do think that a lot of times they do make the advertisements look a lot different. I think this person probably, you know, maybe not a, a career in professional comedy writing, but I do think yeah. that there is a, a big disconnect and that can be disappointing when you order something based on a picture and it comes out totally different. I don't know, what do you two think? I mean, think about like if if it has a commercial, it's probably like the Olive Garden, right? So, <laughs> right, so right, it's right. like of course. wait, I didn't get this incredible thing for 4.99? Yeah, of course not. Right. You're spending 4.99. Right. Yeah. Of course they're lying to you. You know this. You've been around. It's one thing to sort of have the food item be sort of finesse to look better than it looks in person on camera or in a photo. But I do think when it's kind of a totally different product and it's like much bigger or whatever, I do think that is kind of a scam. Like, I do think they should just make the existing thing look as good as possible as opposed to, like, using a totally different product. And um, I just want to break down the last two sentences of this one one more time. This person says, Now a fast food restaurant is showing their steak in a flatbread sandwich. When you get it, you'll say, Where's the steak? I don't understand what they're saying. Because also, I think this is like when I forgot that Hillary Clinton was a senator. What's a flatbread sandwich? <laughs> flatbread sandwich? I think that's, what is that? Is that is like that a, a panini term? type of sandwich? I think like a flat. Like a panini, like a, yeah. I think. Like a crappy pizza, right? That's yeah. What they, that, that's what a flatbread is? Yeah, it is. It is. I don't know what a flatbread sandwich is, but, oh, almost PETA-esque, our producer Olivia is saying. I guess what I'm saying is, 
Now a fast food restaurant is showing their steak in a flatbread sandwich. This isn't really the point this person, and they're saying it is a flatbread sandwich, but there's less steak in it than they show. Yeah. Like this person's putting the emphasis on like flatbread sandwich when they, what they should have said is now a fast food restaurant is showing their flatbread sandwich being stuffed with steak. And when you get it, you'll say, where's the steak as opposed to now a fast food restaurant is showing their steak in a flatbread sandwich. Because I think when you get it, you'll say, this is a flatbread sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually figured out, they're talking about Arby's steak fajita flatbreads, which came out, I think, in 2015. Okay. But these look, to- they do have a lot of steak in the pictures, but they do look completely disgusting. I need this person to say, now a fast food restaurant is showing, okay, I'm not going to repeat myself, but the point is, let's focus on there's not enough steak in there as opposed to this term flatbread sandwich, which I, for one, have never heard of before. <laughs> Unless this was written by a competing fast food chain, I don't see how yeah. it's a legitimate, yeah. a legitimate concern. So unnecessary groan on this one. Yeah, for me, I'm going to say that I'm kind of split on this one. I think you got to manage your expectations when getting fast food in general. But I also do think, you know, you do get into false advertising. It also depends who's making it, how busy they are. There's so many variables. I'm going to go legit moan, but barely. Vanessa? Okay, I'm going to say it's a legit moan, but... Legit I really wish they would take these last two sentences out of it. Because if they would have ended on, when you got them, the meatballs were half the size and you could barely see the cheese. That's a good... I get it. I get what you're saying. When you come into this flatbread stuff and you're talking about, is it a flatbread or not? And you get it, you'll say, where's the steak? I can't tell if this person is trying to be funny. But again, I really wish I could go back in time and tell these Monday moaning contributors, show it to someone, show the draft, show it to one person before you send it into Monday moaning and get their take and see if you can clarify your point a little bit more. Hari, where do you fall on this? I'm going to say groan, but (laughs) really on the edge, because I do sympathize with the idea of like, I want to spend my money on something and I've been waiting and I'm excited and oh, it's disappointed me. It didn't, it didn't, you know, it didn't go the way. It was like when I saw the ghosts of Inshirin, I really wanted a certain kind of experience. And the next thing I know, there's body parts flying off. I mean, it's not what I thought from the trailer. So I can understand the right. idea of they, they made it feel like a certain kind of thing and it was something else completely. But still, it's an Arby's sandwich. If you know it's from Arby's, yes. you've been to Arby's yeah. before. Do you think there was a radical change in Arby's since the last time you went? Yeah, if you're going to a place where you can get five roast beef sandwiches for $5, we got to manage our expectations there. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I think it's a mix of, yes, these places are sometimes sort of scamming you with their misrepresentations of things, but at the same time also you know, be a person of the world who knows that you know, if something looks too gourmet or too good to be true, it probably is. And I say that as a person who is an optimist, by the way. I think one doesn't cancel out the other. Meaning, I think I can have that attitude. I think I can be, right. you know, with it and smart and know what's going and, and aware of the world and, and yet still be an optimist. Do you feel like you know what a flatbread is now? I don't 100%. <laughs> okay. But I'm going to look up some pics after this. Um, I got a lot of stuff to do and a lot of stuff to look up. And speaking of looking stuff up, (laughs) Hari, this was so much fun. Where can people look you up? Okay. Well, my name is Hari Kundabolu, so I think Google would be a good place to start. Yes. And then they will tell you how to type (laughs) my name properly. Did you mean? And you did. 
And then from there, you can find a variety of websites uh, or Instagram or I guess I'm trying to do TikTok, even though I just I feel very old and TikTok is not where I should be. Oh, I don't know. I wouldn't even try. And then your special, everyone can see your special Vacation Baby on YouTube and the companion album Extended Vacation Baby on Bandcamp. It's out now. Yes. It is out. Just came out April 18th. So this is some fresh content, (laughs) as they say. Do you guys say that? (laughs) (laughs) This content just dropped. But anyways, that was really fun, you guys. Thank you so much to Hari for joining us and everyone for listening. If you enjoyed that, please subscribe to the podcast and keep an eye out for next week's episode of How Did We Get Weird, where we will discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural touchstones like the real world. Yeah. Thank you so much, Thank you so much. That was fun. Thanks for having me. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.